Would you stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful Word of the Lord? Amen. How many are excited about the Word today? How many are excited that not only does the Word tell us how to get to heaven, but how many are thankful for the practical parts of the Word of God? Uh, my wife says, I'm Mr. Practical. That's, that's who I am. Well, that's all right. That's the way God made me. And, uh, and, but I'm, I'm excited not only to be able to tell you how to get to heaven, and I can tell you how to do that, and I do it quite frequently, but I'm so thankful the Word of God has, has so many practical uh, applications as well. It makes our life better, enriches our everyday life. Well, today we're going to look in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 8 this morning. The book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 8, and we're going to read verse number 18 to get us going this morning. Deuteronomy, chapter number 8 and verse number 18. The Bible says, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. How many knew that was in the Bible? I'm going to read it again because some of you didn't know it was in the Bible. The Bible said, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he. It is who? It is he who gives you power. Power to what? Power to get wealth. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, all of your word. Father, I pray today, Lord, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit will be upon uh, your message and upon your messenger, Lord, today. God, I pray that you'll open the ears and open the heart of the people to receive this very practical teaching that we have to present today, knowing that it is indeed life-changing and life-altering. Bless those, uh, Lord, who uh, hear and who heed and who apply. All of these things we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You can be reseated this morning. Well, we are currently in a series I'm calling The Price. Say the price. Everything comes with a price. The value of something is usually determined by its price. Now, this past Sunday, we talked about the price of mediocrity, and we discovered that there is a huge price to be paid for mediocrity. Today's lesson is called the price of money. May sound a little unusual to you, but you'll get it, I hope, before the message is finished. Here's what I know. If I can help you with your money, I can help you with your life. See, see, I am constantly being thanked by people who have taken my biblical principles for financial success class that I teach nearly every year on Wednesday nights. And... And even this past week, I I received a text from someone telling me of of something that was getting paid off that was going to now allow them to have X amount of dollars free and clear every single month. Quite frequently, people are coming to me and saying, thank you for your teaching on on, on finances. So so, so I want to continue to do that. I also understand that, that there are a lot of the people, a a host of people in our church that, that have never been through this never been through this teaching, and so, so today I'm going to share uh, some of it uh, with you this morning. Somebody said, money can't buy happiness, and I agree, but I also know that the mismanagement of it can buy a lot of unhappiness. 
And for most people, their problem with money is not the amount. Most people think their problem is the, the amount. If I just had more money, my problem is I don't have enough money. If I just had more money. But, but what I've discovered that for most people, their problem with money is not the amount, but rather their mismanagement of it. I didn't expect you to get too happy about that. That's okay. Somebody said it like this. They said, if your outgo exceeds your income, your upkeep will be your downfall. How many would agree with that? One man put it like this. He said his problem was his outgoing income. How many would agree with that this morning? Well, I'm talking about the price of money. But what I'm really talking about this morning is what will it cost us to accumulate money? What price will we have to pay in order to manage money wisely so that we can get the maximum benefit out of the money that we have? I want to begin with this disclaimer this morning. And this is for any super spiritual saint uh, that's here today that thinks that it's not spiritual uh, to talk about money. Uh, let, me just, let me just remind you, number one, Jesus talked more about finances than he did about heaven and hell combined. So if Jesus talked a lot about money, uh, then maybe we ought to be talking about it also. Number two, the number one problem in marriage today is financial issues. Over 50% of people who divorce cite financial issues as a major contributing factor. Again, if I can help you with your finances, I can help you with your life. It trickles down. It's the trickle down economics Reagan was talking about, all right? It it, it trickles down into every part of our life. Number three, Jesus said, listen, Jesus said if we cannot get our financial house in order, he said that he will not entrust us with the true riches of his kingdom. How many know that's that's pretty serious? In order to be successful with money, in order to please God with the, with the resources that you have, by the way, the resources that he has given you, the resources that he has entrusted you with and expects you to do something with, well, there are at least five things I believe that you must do in order to succeed in this area. Now, don't forget about our text this morning, Deuteronomy 8 and 18. The Lord your God, he is the one who gives you power to get wealth. All right, let me give you five keys to accumulating money this morning. The first key is dedicate it to God. Dedicate it to God. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 9 says, To honor the Lord with your wealth and with, a, and with the best part. Say best part. With the best part of everything, say everything, of everything you produce. Let me ask you this morning, what should we give to God, our leftovers or our first fruits? See, how we handle our money says a lot about us. Jesus said it like this. Jesus said where your treasure is, where your money is, Jesus said that's where you'll find your heart. Jesus said that you can tell what a person's treasure is, what a person uh, truly values. You can discover this by by finding out where this person spends their money. Uh, I say it like this. Let me see your budget, and I can tell you what is most important to you. 
If you want to accumulate money, if you want to, to ensure yourself a, a secure financial future, start by dedicating your money to God. Begin by honoring God with your finances. Now understand this about money this morning. Understand this about money. According to Scripture, say according to Scripture. Not according to pastor, not according to me, but according to scripture. So if you're going to throw rocks, if you're going to get mad this morning, don't get mad at me. I'm just the messenger. But understand this about money. According to scripture, sanctified money is blessed. Sanctified money is blessed. In the book of Malachi... Book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 10 through 12. The Bible says to bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Why are we going to do that? He answers the question. That there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. So that he will, not de- he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So the Bible says that sanctified money is, is blessed. Sanctified money is tithe money. Tithing is sanctified money. It doesn't belong to us at all. It's the first 10% of our income, but it's not ours at all. According to the scripture, it, it belongs to God. And it is to be dedicated to the house of the Lord. It is to be dedicated for the work of the kingdom of God. But I want you to notice there are three blessings that come to tithers. Now, I don't understand why somebody wouldn't want to tithe. And, and men, people get angry and people leave the church and all kinds of things over tithing. I just don't understand it. They just don't understand about tithing because, because I'm going to tell you, it's the greatest investment that you could ever make in your entire life. You think it is to bless God, but it is more to bless you than it is to bless God. There are three blessings that the Bible says comes to tithers. What are they? Well, I just read them. The first one is the blessing of provision. Verse number 10, the Bible says that if you tithe, God said, I will open the windows of heaven over your life. So for tithers, for tithers, we are promised provision. The Bible says that for tithers, we live under an open heaven. And heaven has everything that we could ever need or want or desire. But the Bible says that tithers live with heaven open over their life. Who wouldn't want to live under an open heaven? But not only is there the blessing of provision, but then there's the blessing of protection. Protection. Verse number 11, the Bible says for tithers, uh, God says, I will rebuke the devourer that keeps devouring all your stuff. Had a man in my church one time, and he was really upset because somebody was making fun of him at church or at work for tithing. They said he was, play, he was paying protection money. And he came to me all upset and saying, they're saying I'm paying protection money. I said, J.R., you are. Ain't it great? 
He thinks it's negative. I think it's positive. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I've got somebody watching over my stuff. Three blessings to tithers. Provision, protection, even prosperity. Prosperity. Verse number 11. I will pour out such a blessing upon you, there will not be room enough to receive it. Oh, you need to understand this morning that sanctified money is blessed. Tithing is the greatest investment you can make. So throw stones at me, get angry at me, whatever you want to do, be that. But I'm trying to help you. Sanctified, according to, according to Scripture, sanctified money is blessed. According to Scripture, stolen money, I didn't say that, did I? It's an S, I had to say it. Stolen money is cursed. I didn't say it. No, I'm the messenger. I didn't write it. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. Will a man rob God? How ridiculous. How can a man rob God? Throw a ski mask on. Get a 357 Magnum, sneak up behind the throne of God. And... What a question. Will a man rob God? But he said, but you have robbed me. But you say, how have we robbed you? He said, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. And he didn't stop there. He said, you are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me. People wonder why they can't get ahead. They wonder why financially for them it's always three steps forward and two steps back. They, they make plenty of money more than most. They look around and others are doing well with less money than they make. But for some reason it's just not working for them. For some reason it just doesn't go very far. What's the problem? What's the difference? Perhaps it's because Sanctified money is blessed money, and stolen money is cursed. I'm giving you five keys to accumulating money. Key number one, dedicated to God. Honor God with your money so that you'll have his blessing upon it and not the curse. Here's what I know. I've I've proven it, and that is 90% of our money will go uh, a whole lot further with God's blessings on it than 100% of our money will go with God's curse on it. Just saying. Key number two. Let's move on. Deposit it consistently. Proverbs 21 and 20 says, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Doesn't matter if they make 25000 a year, 50000 a year, 100000 a year, fools spend whatever they 
get. Proverbs 13 and 11 says, wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappear. Wealth from hard work grows over time. If you're going to accumulate money, if you're going to, to have a secure financial future, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to happen because you save some out of every paycheck. Two things you ought to do with your money. First of all, you should pay yourself. Pay yourself. Let me ask you this this morning. Why do you do all the work but everybody else gets all the money? I mean, you're the one that's answering the alarm clock. Some of you two or three times. Before the average American, their money is already spent before they even get paid. When they get paid, they've got a mortgage that's too high. They've got car payment they shouldn't have. They've got utilities. They go to the grocery store and overspend, the gas station, the credit cards out the wazoo. Everybody gets a part of their paycheck but them. And they're the one that did all the work. Pay yourself. You work for the money, so you should get to keep some. Now, don't forget, pay God first, then pay yourself second, then let everything else fall in line after that. Make paying yourself a bill. Make it high priority. First your bill to God, then your bill to yourself, and then bills to others. Because here's what I know, and that is if you don't prioritize your spending, there will not be anything left over for God or for yourself. And plan your strategy. Plan your strategy. It's called a budget. Tell your money where to go or you'll wonder where it went. And your strategy should include four areas. I've given these to you before, but they're so good, I've got to give them to you. I want you to just live your whole life. I live my whole life with this. I want you to do the same. Your strategy should include four areas. Number one, sow some. Say sow some. some. Your tithe and your offering. Sow some. What should you do with your money? Number one, sow some. Number two, save some. Say save save some. Save some. Pay yourself. Pay yourself. Pay God 10, 15, 20%, whatever. At least 10%. Really, that's not enough because it also talks about robbing God with offerings. So it really needs to be over 10. Just saying. Save some. Pay yourself. Invest. Create an emergency fund. How many know tomorrow is coming? Tomorrow is coming. You said everybody knows that. Well, it doesn't seem like it. You're not living like it. Can I tell you what's going to happen tomorrow? Let me just encourage you. Now, when I talk about tomorrow, I don't mean 24 hours from now. I'm talking about the future. The future is coming. Tomorrow is coming. Let me tell you about your future. Let me tell you about your tomorrow. Your tires are going to wear out on your car. 
testimony recently. A young lady came to me thanking me for teaching about an emergency fund. She said, always before when I have an emergency, she said, I would, I would just be all upset. I didn't know what in the world I was going to do. Oh, what am I going to do? But she said, I built myself an emergency fund. She said, I just had my tires wear out. I went to the tire store. I bought tires and paid cash for them. I didn't sweat a bit about it. Your tires are going to wear out. You better be ready for it. Transmission might go out tomorrow. You're going to go to the emergency room tomorrow. Kid's going to get sick tomorrow. You live in America, you're going to lose your job tomorrow. We don't keep our jobs 30 years and get a gold watch and retire anymore. Four, five, six places of employment in 30, 35, 40 years of, living, of working today. You're losing your job tomorrow. I'm glad you came to church today. I'm telling you, tomorrow is coming. Tomorrow is coming. Are you ready for it? If you're ready for it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You still don't like it. Still, I'm sure this uh, young lady didn't really, really enjoy buying tires. I'm sure she would have rather went to the mall. But she was sure glad that she had money to buy tires. Amen. Save some. Get an emergency fund. Get ready for emergencies because those emergencies are coming. It's just called life. And then after you get an emergency fund together and you start paying off your debt, then invest some of it. Get some good investments going. We don't have time for that. Number three, finally, spend some. <laughs> yeah, you get to spend some. There's nothing wrong with spending some, but you don't spend some until, first of all, you sow some, then you save some. Now you get to spend some, but understand, spend some. Live within your means. Spend less than you make. Give yourself some margin. Set your budget up, not on best case scenario. You know, uh, if I keep getting, uh, if I keep getting overtime and I keep getting Christmas bonuses and oh, blah blah blah. No, no, no. They may take away that overtime. They may take away those Christmas bonuses. Set up your budget, not on best case scenario, but give yourself margin. Margin's wonderful. Wonderful. In every part, I've got I to gotta preach on margin because it just revolutionizes your life. Yes. Give yourself some margin in your time. I don't have time to get r- running rabbit trails here this morning, so let me keep going. Number four, share some. After you sow some, after you save some, after you spend some, then share some. It's, it's fun, it's fun to bless others. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. We're talking about the price of money this morning. It will cost you to have money. There's a price to pay for not just making money, but actually having some money, accumulating some money, creating yourself a sound and secure financial future. Giving you five keys. Number one, dedicate your money to God. Number two, deposit your money consistently. Number three, the third thing you need to do is you need to determine, determine priorities. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 26 says, mark out a straight path. Say straight path. Mark out a straight path for your feet and stay on that path. 
A lot of you created a plan, but you've never done anything with the plan. <laughs> plan says go this way, but you're going that way. Mark out a straight path. Create a, a plan for your life. Mark out a straight path for your feet and then stay on the path. Ask yourself two questions. Ask yourself, first of all, what do I want to do with my money? That's a good question. What do I want to do with my money? Do I want to live in it? Is that what I want to do with my money? I want to live in it. I want to buy myself a big house. What do I want to do with my money? Do I want to drive it? Just remember, every time that tire rolls around, you've lost money. Trying to encourage you today. (laughs) What do I want to do with my money? Do I want to live in it? Do I want to drive it? Do I want to eat it? I want to wine and dine. Don't want to cook. Don't want to clean up. I'm going to eat my money. That's what some of you are doing with it. What do I want to do with my money? Do I want to play with it? I just want to have a big old time, party, hearty, man. Just have a big old party. Is that what I want to do with my money? What do I want? It's a good question. What do I want to do with my money? Let me just ask you this. How do you see money? Do you see money flat and stacking or round and rolling? Flat and stacking, you're a saver. Round and rolling, you're a spender. I want to do with my money? What is most important to me? Now, if you're married, you better be asking, what is most important to us? What do we want to do with our money? Because, you see, for most people, there will not be enough money to do everything that they want to do. So what we uh, want to, what is it that we want to do most? What are our priorities? Our priorities. What is most important to us? What do we want to do with our money? Because here's what I know, and that is if you don't prioritize your money, your money will go here, it will go there, it will go somewhere else, and there will not be any left over for what you want to do most. And this is why my wife and I begin our financial plan by giving to God first, not just our tithe, That's a given. It's not ours. It doesn't belong to us. But our offerings, too. We've also prioritized our contribution to our retirement. Because we don't plan on depending on our kids. And we don't plan on eating Alpo in our retirement years. See, I have lived my entire adult life on the advice of Grandpa. What did Grandpa say? Grandpa said, pay now, play later. What did Grandpa say? Grandpa said, get your work done first, and then you can go out and play. Now, I've lived my entire adult life on the advice of Grandpa, who got it from this book. Amen? 
So if you're going to be responsible with money, as God's word tells us to be, if you're going to be successful with it and set yourself up for a secure financial future, there's a price to pay. And part of the price is to determine priorities. But not just your priorities, God has a standard of financial priorities as well. And, and here's the second question to ask yourself here. And that is, why should I expect God to give me more? Why should I expect God to give me more? In the book of Luke chapter 16, book of Luke chapter 16, verse 10 through 12 says, Jesus said, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. But he who is unjust in what is least will also be unjust in what is much. Therefore, Jesus said, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will, con- who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your So ask yourself the question this morning, why should I expect God to give me more? See, people are often quick to whine about about what they don't have, when the fact of the matter is they haven't done anything uh, with what they have, or they ask for more, but they have mismanaged the little that they have. Or they look at somebody else and see what they have and they are jealous about what somebody else has and whine because they have more than what they have. When in reality, they have mismanaged what has been given to them. Let me ask you this question this morning. Who who would you like to trust with your money? Um... Would you like to trust someone that will squander it, somebody that will mismanage it, someone that will do foolish things with it? Would you, would you, would you feel comfortable uh, sharing your money with somebody that's going to mess up your money? Or would you rather share your money with somebody that's going to manage and invest it wisely, somebody that is going to take what you have given them and make it grow? Well, the same is with God. With God, he looks at us and he says, what are you doing with what I've given you? And only when we do something with what he has given us and only when we manage well what has been deposited into our life, only then does God say, all right, you've done well with this little bit. I can entrust you with a little bit more. And if you'll do good with that, I'll entrust you with a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. God's a good businessman. He loves you. He really does. But he expects you to do something with what he gives you. The Bible calls us stewards. We understand that a steward is a manager of somebody else's property. See, at the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to have to give an account of what we did with what God gave us. What kind of a steward were we? How did we manage the property? How did we manage what God put in our life? So you see, there is a price to pay for money. And part of the price is judgment by by God on how we manage it. So in light of this, it seems extremely important that we determine priorities. All right, the the fourth key to a successful financial future, that is you're going to have to deny the flesh. Deny the flesh. Proverbs 27 and 20 says, human desire is never satisfied. 
Let me make two statements here. Number one, Satan will never stop tempting you with things you do not need. John D. Rockefeller was a multimillionaire. He would be a billionaire uh, today. And somebody asked him, Mr. Rockefeller, how much is enough? How many would think that if you had millions and millions and millions of dollars, you would have enough? But when somebody asked multimillionaire John D. Rockefeller how much is enough, he immediately replied, just a little bit more. Human desire is never satisfied. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, the Bible said that that God said you can eat of any tree in the garden but one. So which one did they want? The one they didn't have. See, for man, all we want is what we don't have. It's all we want, what we don't have. If we're going to be successful with money, if we're not only going to make some, but actually have some, save some, invest some, accumulate some, there's a price to be paid. And the price includes denying our flesh. Satan will never stop tempting you with things you don't need. And number two, our selfish nature will never be satisfied with things. There will never be a day this side of heaven when we are 100% satisfied with what we have. It doesn't matter what we have. The day will never come this side of heaven when we are totally satisfied with what we have. This is another reason why we need Jesus because only Jesus can satisfy. I'm telling you this morning, you can have everything that this world has to offer, but if you do not have Jesus, you don't have anything that truly matters. But I'm telling you this morning that you can have absolutely nothing of this world's goods. But if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you have everything in this world that means anything. All right, let's look at the fifth key to a successful financial future. The fifth price that we'll have to pay, and that is destroy the leeches that suck us dry. Proverbs 30 and 15 says, the leech has two suckers and and they cry out, more, more. See, everyone has financial leeches that suck finances out of them. Haggai chapter 1 and verse number 6 says, you have planted, but you harvest little. You eat, but you're not satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you cannot keep warm. Your money disappears as if you are putting it in a pocket with a hole in it. I have a good friend of mine. He tells the story of, of grabbing everything on his way out the door, and he grabbed a handful of change, and he put it in his pocket. And he's walking along, and the money falls out of his pocket. So he stops and he picks up his money and he keeps walking and he puts the money back in his pocket. And it walks for a little while and the money starts coming out again. And he stops and he picks up the money and he put, and first, and then he finally discovers, oh, duh. <laughs> I got a hole in my pocket. Let me tell you what you need to do. First of all, you need to discover where the hole is. You got a hole in your pocket got a hole in your financial pocket and you need to discover where the, where the hole is. And the best way to do this is to, is to write down every dollar you spend every single day for a month. Write down every dollar that you spend for a month and you'll quickly see a pattern of spending. 
And, and you'll be surprised at some of the patterns of spending. You don't think you've got any money, but you do have more. You've got money you know not of. And if you'll, if, you'll, if you'll take a record of every dollar that you spend every single day for a month, uh, you'll quickly see a pattern of spending, and you'll get a clear picture of where your money is going. Because as I said, you have more money than you think you have. It's just, it's just falling out of your pocket. It's falling out of your pocket at Starbucks or, or, or at Walmart or at the golf course or at the fast food drive-thru. What you got quiet in here. Discover where the holes are. And it seems, it seems so incidental. It's $5 here. It's $10 there. It's $20 somewhere else. It just seems so harmless. It just seems, you know, so little and so simple. But listen, add $5 and $10 and $20 and, and add it up every day and, and throughout the month. And, and, and you know, and, and you'll, you'll, you'll discover that, man, that there's, a, there's money that you know nothing about. There's money that's, that's being squandered. It's falling out of your pocket. You need to sew up your pocket. You need to discover where the hole is. And and some of you have giant holes in, in, in your pocket because you're living in a house that you cannot afford or you're driving a car that you cannot afford or, or you're living a lifestyle, amen, that, that your income just simply cannot substantiate. You're living a life of make-believe, but sooner or later you'll be exposed and it's all going to come crumbling, uh, crumbling and crashing down. If we're going to build, if we're going to build a strong financial future, if we're if we're going to keep some of what we make and then use that to invest in our financial future, there's a price to be paid for this, and part of that price includes destroying the leeches that suck us dry. And we do this by doing two things. Number one, we discover where the hole is in our financial pocket. Number two, decide to repair the hole. Decide to repair the hole. See, it's one thing to discover where the hole is. It's another to actually do something about it. Because if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. Somebody said it like this. If you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. And build yourself a ladder and climb out. Our subject today is the price of money. It will cost you if you manage money well. But I'm telling you that the rewards are worth it. Our takeaway today, it's okay to have money. It's not okay for money to have us. And never forget the purpose for wealth. Yes, God has given us the power to get wealth. But there's a purpose for wealth. And that is to invest in kingdom work and to bless others. Amen.